there are 39 milahot which constitute forms of work forbidden on the Sabbath. It's the why behind the way we do the things we do. Join Rabbi Musha Schnurb now for Hilchos Shabbos, only on 101.9 High FM. Point nine, Chai FM, a warm welcome back to our show after the Pesach break. This is 101.9 Chai FM. The program is Soul to Soul. And it's so great to be back with you after Yom Tov. I hope that each and every one of you had the most amazing Pesach and that you had time to spend with those you care about, those those you love, and that the Siddharm went beautifully and you were really inspired and had a chance to really speak about important things and things that would make an impression on you, something that you could take with you into, into the, the future. But we've emerged other side and now we are beginning the uphill climb steadily towards Chagashvos, only six weeks away, and there's lots and lots of work to be done to prepare ourselves for Chagashvos, not only the making of the cheesecake, but getting ourselves ready to be in a position to once again commit ourselves, recommit ourselves to the Torah as we do each year on Anshvos. But let's talk for a moment about this week's Pasha, Pasha's Acharemus. The Torah describes the various carbonas brought on Yom Kippur, and the Medrash explains the significance of each one. Aram brought a par ben bakar, a young bull, as a carbon chattas. This represents the bull slaughtered by Avram Avinu when he exerted himself to host the malachim. There was also an ayel, a ram, as a carbon oiler. This reminds us of the ayel used by Akedas Yitzchak in the place of Yitzchak. A third carbon, two goats, were brought by Klaiso, recalling the two goats that he brought to his father when he received the brachas. Kliyokar explains that all three of these events, the meeting with the Malachim, the Akedah, and the brachas, all took place on Yom Kippur. The three Kabbalists representing these three momentous occasions invoke the schus of the three of us. The Koenigodal goes into the Kodesh HaKadoshim armed with these powerful, powerful zechusim. And it's only in their merit that the Koenigodal could bring about the full kapara and the prospect, Bez Hashem, of a good year. However, this raises an obvious difficulty. How could Avram arrange a feast for the Malachim on Yom Kippur? when there is a mitzvah to fast. Didn't Avram keep the entire Torah? The Kliyok answers that Avram was not obligated to keep the Torah. He kept it as his own chumrah, right? Beyond the letter of the law. Therefore, he considered it a matter of personal stringency, and that did not impose his own higher standards on other people. The important principle is still applicable even after Matan Torah. Although we were commanded to fulfill all the mitzvahs, there are many areas where it is considered admirable to be machmir and to adhere to a greater, stricter interpretation of the halacha. In such cases, we must be careful not to automatically expect the same of others. Even more so, there are times where a, a chumrah, a stringency, might involve some inconvenience or even discomfort. We must be sure not to allow our own zeal to take over our obligations of chesed and to take care of another's needs despite our personal stringencies. We find this idea expressed in a Mishnah in Perkyavis. Rebbe says that one should choose a path that is acceptable and pleasant for himself and for other people. Rabbi Shua questions the basic premise of this Mishnah. 
Since when do we get to choose our own path? After all, the Torah commands us exactly how to lead our lives down to the smallest detail. Rav Hela answers that Rebbe is instructing us how to act when we are machmir, when we go beyond the obligation of the Torah, forging our own path. We need to take care that this behavior does not infringe on our caring for another yid. For example, a person might adopt the custom of sleeping with a stone under his head instead of a pillow on Tishbav night. However, he should certainly supply his guests with a pillow. Similarly, Avram did not expect his guests to observe Yom Kippur. Even though he was fasting, he ran around preparing a royal feast for them, making sure that they were well cared for. This 11.9 Chai FM Salt to Salt, please stay with us. There's so, so much more coming up. This is Hilchos Shabbos with Rabbi Moshe Schnurb, only on 101.9 High FM. 101.9 Chai FM, this is Soul to Soul, back on your radio, Erev Shabbos, Kodesh, Parshas, Acharemos. We hope you had an amazing, amazing Pesach, Yom Tov, and a beautiful week following it, Baruch Hashem. It was so uplifting, it was so inspiring. I hope that you didn't overeat, but I hope you were overstimulated and really, really flying now as we head down the track or up the track, from Pesach to the coming Chag of Shavuos. In this week's Pasha, which is Pashtach Remus, so we learn about the, the Aveda that was performed by the Kohen Gadol on Yom HaKippurim. The, the Aveda that he performed, we know, provided Kapara, atonement, for all of Klai Yisrael's different Averas, the transgressions, iniquities, whatever. Now, we learn a huge, huge principle in the Gemara of Menachas that says that anyone who studies the Torah of all the different Kabbalahs, let's say of the Chattas, is considered as if he actually brought a Chattas. And anyone who studies the Torah of the Asham is considered as if he actually brought a Karban Asham. So therefore, even nowadays when we're in Golas, we're unfortunately... We don't have a base of Mikdash and we can't actually do the Aveda. We can still achieve atonement for our Averis by studying the Torah portions detailing the Aveda of Yom HaKippurim. And therefore, let's look a little bit at the Aveda performed by the Kohen Gadol, especially that component which involved the Shnei HaSirim, the two he-goats, as Chattas offering. One we know, one was designated and brought on the Mizbeach for Hashem, and the other one was designated for Azazel. The later one is usually referred to as the Sa'ir HaMishtaleach, the he-goat that is sent away. It's especially worthwhile that we examine the function of that Sayyidah Mishtaleach, that afforded Kapara for all transgressions from the most minor to the most major. The Mishnah, in fact, expresses this fact. The Mishnah in, in, in Shavuos actually says that the Sayyidah Mishtaleach was atoned for all other transgressions mentioned in the Torah, whether they are minor ones or major ones, whether they're deliberate transgressions or unwitting ones, whether he became aware or didn't even become aware of what he did, whether it's positive commandments or, or negative commandments, those which are punishable by chorus, those which are punishable by a, a, a court-imposed death penalty, the, the soil azazel, the he got that was sent away, atones for it. So let's just go through quickly the, the, the psukim that relate to these two, to these two, uh, to these two goats. So it says, from from the assembly of B'nai Israel, you shall take these two he goats 
And what does he do with them? He stands them before Hashem at the entrance of the Moyal Moyed. And Aaron takes two lots upon the two he goats. One lot says to Hashem, and on the other one says to Azazel. Aaron shall then take the he goat designated by the lot to Hashem, and he shall make it a korban chatas. <coughs> and the he goat designated to Azazel shall he stand alive before Hashem to to atone upon it to send it off Azazel to the to the wilderness to the midbar. Rashi. Clarifies what is Azazel? It's a, like sort of an austere, a harsh kind of mountain, a, a high, a high cliff. Now, it's apparent from the Psukim that the purpose of both he goats is to afford Cloudy atonement for their sins and, and uh, iniquities. After all, the Taylor refers to them as two he goats for a chattas offering. But notwithstanding, they're separated by a huge mountain and a deep abyss because the one he got designated for Hashem was sacrificed by the coin Godel on the Mizbeach and its blood was sprinkled in the Kodesh Kodoshim. Right? And, and, and that's exactly what the Pesukim what the Pesukim say. Right? So that that's the that you can't get much more Kedusha than that. And in sort of stark contrast, however, the Yigot designated to Azazel was not sacrificed at all. It was sent out of the base of Mikdash, accompanied by a sort of a pre-designated person to be pushed off a cliff in the wilderness. Right? And, and the Psukim said that quite, uh, quite, uh, quite explicitly. Now, this needs a little bit of, of clarification. Right? Both he goats are meant to atone for Kaisal's Averis. So why was only one of them sacrificed in the Vais Mikdash, while the other one was not even sacrificed at all? We just learned that the second he goat was sent off into the wilderness to Azazel to be thrown off a cliff in such a manner that it rarely even reached the bottom intact. Right, and the Mishnah in, in, in Yuma teaches us that the person, the designated person, would push it backwards and it would tumble down and it would not reach halfway down the mountain before it was torn limb from limb. So that's one difference. There's another difference between the two he goats that is worth examining. Aaron was only instructed to lean his hands upon the head of the he goat that was sent away. And, and on it, he confessed all of the Averus of Klaisa. In contrast, he didn't lean upon the head of the Yigot designated for Hashem and did not confess upon it. Instead, he was simply sacrificed in order to atone for Klaisa's, right? Uh, 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 sins that they had done, uh, uh, willful sins that they had done as a part of all of their sins. Aside from all of these questions, we have to try to understand why HaKadosh Baruch Hu commanded that two he-goats be brought as chattas offerings to atone for Klai Yisrael's transgressions. After all, Aaron HaKayin had already sacrificed the he-goat to Hashem, which provided atonement for Yisrael's transgressions as stated in the Pasuk. Pasuk says, Explicitly, he shall bring atonement upon the Kodesh for all the impurities of some and all of their willful sins. So what purpose was served by placing his hands upon the head of the ego that was sent away and confessing upon it all the sins of and all of their transgressions, when in fact he already had attained kapara uh, uh, when bringing the, the, the first cup. Right? Which sins did the Higa to Hashem atone for and which sins did the Higa to Azazel atone for? So seeing as we are discussing two Higots, so we can also uh, try to explain the huge Chiddush that the Mishnah in Yuma says he says regarding the two he goats of Yom Kippur, 
The mitzvah is that there should be a like in appearance, in height, in value, and in their simultaneous purchase. You know, it's the practical implications of this unique requirement need to be explored. Seeing as one of the egots was going to be designated to Hashem and the other to Azazel, why was it required that they be equal in all, in all aspects? So, there's an incredible, incredible concept. So we'll begin, perhaps to shed some light on the matter, based on an incredible insight found in, in the Meshachachma on, on this week's, week's Pasha. He addresses the formula instituted by our, our Chazal, right, that we say on Shachris and, and Yom Kippur, and we say, Ki Yisrael, you are the forgiver of Yisrael, Umachalon Shifte Yishurun, and the partner of the tribes of Yishurun, Bechol Dorvadar, in every generation. So first of all, we have to try to understand this double language. What is forgiver of Yisrael and partner of the tribes of Yishurun? Secondly, the phrase partner of the tribes of Yishurun does not appear anywhere else in, in our, in our tefillahs. It's a very, very strange thing. Abez Hashem, we're going to come back and try to solve all of these riddles and try to answer all the questions in our next segment. This is 101.9 High FM. The program is Soul to Soul. We'll be back in a minute. This is Hilchos Shabbos with Rabbi Moshe Schnurb, only on 101.9 High FM. 101.9 Chai FM, Soul to Soul, back on your radio. Erev Shabbos, Kodesh, Parshas, Achremos, first Shabbos. After Pesach, we're in the Sphira period getting ready for Shavuos, and we're talking about the two he goats that were brought by the Kohen Gadol on Yom Kippur, which had to be, as we just said, all and be uh, virtually exactly the same, brought together, same value, same appearance, yet they were treated completely, completely differently. One was brought as a carbon in the base of Mikdash, and its blood actually was sprinkled in the Kodesh HaKadoshim, while one was sent off to a cliff and thrown down in a terrible, terrible way to die where its limbs came came all apart. What's the difference? Also, we find the Kohen Gadol, specifically, when he confessed the sins, he confessed the sins on the head of the goat that was thrown off the cliff and not on the head of the one that was going to be brought inside the, the base, inside the base Samikdash, right? We also find that once he already brought the one that was inside the Besmikdash, which seemingly atoned for all our willful sins and all our other transgressions, what was even the need to bring the second one that was thrown off the cliff? Which one was, what sins were one atoning for and which sins were the other one atoning for? How does it all work and what does it all symbolize? And we began to explore the Nusach, the text in our davening on Yom Kippur, where we talk about the Hashem being the Solchan, the, the forgiver, Umochalan, and the pardoner. And what's the difference between the pardoner and, and, uh, and the forgiver? And why does it use the word Yeshurun, which is a, 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 a ne- it's never ever used uh, uh, anywhere else in our, in our tefillah at, at all. So, he explains the significance of this whole formula based on what we learnt in the Gemara in Rosh Hashanah on Daf Chavav. The Gemara says there, why does the Kohen Gadol enter the Kodesh HaKadoshim to perform the service? You wear in the usual Shemayin HaBagadim, the eight golden garments that he normally wears, says the Gemara, because we have a rule the prosecutor cannot become an advocate. And the, the Gemara is explicitly explained in, uh, in greater significance in, in, the, in the Gemara, actually in uh, Yerushalmi, because since we know in the, in, the, in the desert, the Jews made a Egel Azov, they made a god out of, out of gold, so the Kohen Gadol cannot now perform the, the sacred Avaidah 
clad in, in gold. That's going to, in, in, instead of bringing up the good memories, the good feelings, so to speak, of HaKadosh Baruch Hu towards us, it's going to raise up all kinds of negative. So to explain the matter, so let's bring up this Apostle that we read not too long ago that says that Hashem promises after the sin of the golden coffee. Hashem was angry at Kai, so he wouldn't destroy them, but he says, And on the day that I make my account, I'm going to bring their sin to account against them. Rashi explains that always, whenever HaKadosh Baruch Hu makes an accounting of Israel's sins against them, I'm going to hold them accountable to some small degree for this sin along with the other sins, right? There's no punishment that comes upon Klai Yisrael which doesn't have in it some retribution for the sin of the, of the ego. So therefore the Kohen Gadol is not allowed to perform the Avodah in the Kodesh in the golden clothes so as not to evoke the memory of the Cheta Egal that reappears in every single generation. Now, in truth, it is so important that we recognize that just as the Cheta Egal resurfaces in every generation, so too does the sin of the sale of Yosef, of Mechiras Yosef, also appear. That's that uh, sin that we just mentioned came from sinasrinam, from brotherly hatred, as explained in the Medrash Shechetayv, that says Rabbi Yeshua, called Rabbi Yeshua ben Levi, the Asara Ruge Malchus, the ten martyrs were killed as punishment for the sin of the sale of Yosef. And Rabbi Avin adds that a, uh, a taint of that Avera remains in every single generation. Now, the Gemara in Brochus, Dav Zion, poses a seeming contradiction between two Pesukim. One Pesuk says, Poiket Ovain Ovay Sabonim, HaKadosh who visits the sin of fathers upon children. But there's another possible possible in, in Devarim that says, Ubonim lo yumsolovis. Sons shall not be put to death because of fathers. So one says that children do suffer because of the father, and one says that children don't get killed because of his father's sins. Answers the Gemara. The first possible refers to when the sons continue in the evil ways of their fathers. So therefore, Kodesh Baruch Hu punishes them not only for their own sins, but also for the sin of the father, right? And the second Pasuk talks about where the sons abandon the sinful practices of their fathers. In this situation, Kodesh Baruch Hu does not put children to death on account of their father's sins. So we see a very, very important principle. When Kleistel are guilty of a sin between man and HaKadosh Baruch Hu, Chas V'Shalom. So then, the Chet HaEgel, the, the, the prototype of, of Ravera between man and God, that resurfaces. When Yisrael are guilty of some sin between man and his fellow man, Chas V'Shalom, then the sin of Mechiras Yosef, the prototype of sins between man and his fellow man, resurfaces. These two sins, Chet HaEgel, and the sin of Mechiras Yosef encompass the entire sphere of all transgressions. For all transgressions can be categorized either as between man and Hashem or between man and his fellow, and his fellow man. Now, on Yom Kippur, HaKadosh Baruch Hu commanded us to provide atonement for both of these categories of sin. We have to attain atonement for the Cheta Ego, right? The prototype of sins that are Ben Odom Lamokum between man and HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and for the sin of Machiris Yosef, which is the prototype of sins Ben Odom Lachavero between man and his friend. Therefore, we find the following teaching in the Mishnah in, in Yuma 
that Averas that are between man and Hashem, Yom Kippur atones for. Averas that are between man and his fellow man, Yom Kippur doesn't atone for until he appeases his fellow man. Based on what we just discussed, the Meshachachma explains, I think magnificently, that which we have learned in, in the Gemara in Yuma Daf Membeis. It says, the, the string that was tied between the horns of the Yigot that was sent away weighed two sela. And he refers to the following teaching in the Gemara in, in Shabbos. The Gemara there says, a person should never treat one son differently than his other sons. For on account of a two-sella weight of fine wool that Yaakov gave Yosef in excess of his other sons, right? We know he made for him the special striped coat that Yosef had. So his brothers became jealous of him and the matter evolved such that our forefathers ended up having to go down to, to Mitzrayim. So that's the reason they tied a string weighing specifically two sella onto the yigot that was sent away, right? It was intended to atone for the sin of Machiras Yosef, which was precipitated by the seeming favoritism of, of a two, of two, of two sella. Now, if we follow this kind of line of reasoning, the Meshachachma then continues, and he says, the most crucial part of the Kohen Gadol's Avoid Yom Kippur took place, of course, in the Hechel and in the Kodesh HaKadoshim, in the Beis HaMikdash and in the, in the Kodesh HaKadoshim. On the Mizbeach located in the Hechel inside, so he sacrificed the special Korbanos of the day. And in the Kodesh HaKadoshim, he burned the, the Ketetus. Now, the Gemara, tell, the Gemara tells us in, in Yuma that it was taught in a Brisa which parts of the temple were in the portion of Yehuda. So it says the Harabais, the Temple Mount, all the chambers and the courtyards. And which parts of the temple were in the portion of Binyamin, because we know both of them had a portion. Says the Chotzer, the, the, sorry, the, the Ulam, the, the, which was like the antechamber and the Heichal and the Kodesh Kedoshim. Therefore, the Kohen Gadol could only achieve atonement for Yisrael in the Heichal and in the Kodesh HaKadoshim, which are located in the part of Binyamin. Why? Because he didn't play any role at all in the sin of Achiras Yosef. The Azara, the courtyard, however, was located, we said, in the portion of Yehuda, who advised his brothers to sell Yosef. Therefore, atonement couldn't be sought there, for, as we know, the prosecutor cannot become an advocate. In fact, the Gemara in Sanhedrin discusses, discusses this. The mayor says, that Yehuda was called a compromiser because there were some of the brothers who wanted to kill Yosef. Reuven wanted to save him and bring him home. So Yehuda proposed a compromise. We're not going to gain anything by killing him. And therefore, let's go and throw him in this pit and we'll see what's going to happen. And he was Rashi comments that he really should have said, let's take him home to our father, right? And his brothers would have listened to him. He was the, he was the leader of the brothers. What he would have said would have, would have gone, but he didn't. And the Meshachachma substantiates his points by referring to a very alarming pas- a, 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 a pas- passage in the Sifri. It says, why did Binyamin merit that the Shechina should dwell in his portion? All of the other Shvatim participated in the selling of Yosef. But Binyamin was not involved in the sale of Yosef. Hashem said, If I tell these to build the base of Mikdash, won't I want to show them mercy when they pray before me? Instead, 
I will not have my Shekhinah dwell in their portion because they did not show their brother any, any, kind of, any kind of mercy. We should now be so happy because we can now really understand the, the format that we say on Yom Kippur. Ki ata you are the forgiver of Yisrael and the partner of the tribes of Yeshurun in every generation. And this is what the Meshachachma actually, actually says. He says, the, the phrase, forgive you of Yisrael, relates to all sins between man and Hashem. Those sins are influenced by the sin involving the ego. In relation to that sin, it says, I forgave you in accordance with your words. The, the phrase, pardon of the tribes of Yeshurun, relates to sins between man and his fellow man, which stem from the sin of Machiras Yosef, which was perpetrated by the tribes of, based on this magnificent idea of the Meshachachma, so perhaps we can suggest a really, really wonderful explanation for the whole matter of the two Higots. So HaKadosh Baruch Hu commanded that both be brought as chattas offerings. The one to Hashem, which we know was sacrificed on the Mizbeach and its blood was actually sprinkled in the Kodesh HaKadoshim. And the other one to Azazel, right, was dispatched into the Midbar. So we asked, I, why HaKadosh Baruch Hu commanded that two he-goats be brought? Why didn't the one chattas to Hashem suffice to atone for all of Yisrael's Averis. Yet, according to what we have learned from the Meshachachma, it's actually incredible. Why? From the very onset, HaKadosh Baruch Hu delegated the Kapora for Yisrael's sins in two distinct Chattas Higots. For the Higot designated to Hashem, that was aimed at atoning for the Averis between Adam and HaKadosh Baruch Hu. While the Higot, Lazazel, was aimed at atoning for sins between man and his fellow man. This explains really nicely why the Kohen Godel sacrificed the Higot to Hashem on the Mizbeach and sprinkled its blood in the Kodesh HaKadoshim, where HaKadosh Baruch Hu Shechina dwells. As explained, its purpose was to atone for transgressions Bo Ben Adam Lamokan. Therefore, it was fitting that a gift be presented to HaKadosh Baruch Hu in Hashem's own dwelling place of Shechina and to ask for Mechila and ask for mercy and forgiveness for having sinned against Him. In, in contrast, the ego to Azazel came to atone for sins between man and his, and his fellow man. It would have been inappropriate to sacrifice in the Heichal and to sprinkle its blood in the Kodesh HaKadoshim, for those structures were located in a place of Binyamin, who wasn't even involved we said, in the selling, in the selling of, of Yosef. Therefore, it was not possible to bring an atonement for the sin of Mechiras Yosef there. For instead of Rachamim, instead of, that, instead of evoking then Hashem's divine mercy, then the attribute of Din would be triggered due to the fact that the brothers didn't show Yosef any mercy. Accordingly, HaKadosh Baruch Hu commanded that it not be sacrificed in the Beis HaMikdash, right, in the portion of Binyamin. Rather, he commanded that it be sent to Azazel in the Midbar. Right? For when you have sinaschinam, brotherly hatred, does not belong in a holy place. It should be relegated to the desolate wilderness. Right? And this coincides amazingly with the words of the Meshachachma. As he explains, the reasons they had to, to tie a strip weighing two sela to the Yigot was to atone for the sin of Machiras Yosef, which was provoked 
by the Kesenius Pasama, the striped tunic that Yaakov made for Yosef, right, which had a, a, a which was worth to sell our fine wool. In this manner, we can also comprehend why Akadosh commanded that the dispatched he goats be tumbled down a high cliff as described in the in the in the mission. We'd push it back and it would totally become dismembered. Right? This ceremonial act alludes to the fact that all sins ben Adam Lachaveroi stem from the human trait of Gaiva, of, of haughtiness, where a person sees himself as being superior to to other people, right? Like a tall mountain. Right? This 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 whole concept is is conveyed by a Gemara in, in Saita. Where Rabbi Yosef said, a person should always learn from the das of, of HaKadosh Baruch Because HaKadosh Baruch passed over the tall mountains and hills and Davka rested his shechina on, on the lowly Hasinai. Right? Therefore, the person sent to uh, carry out the process of the Sarei Lazazel pushed the Higot down the mountain, causing it to be torn apart limb from limb. This was meant to teach us that the quality of gaiva destroys all that is good in a in a human in a human being. So why is it that both of them have to be exactly the same as the Mishnah said? So there's a beautiful, beautiful remez of the the Rav of, of Komarna, who says that the gematria, the numerical value of the mitzvah to love Hashem, the ohavta es Hashem eloikecha, is exactly equal to the gematria of the mitzvah to love another yid. This teaches us that we should not differentiate between the love of Hashem, mitzvah ben Olam and love of Israel. Mitzvahs ben Adam Lachavero. So it's precisely for that reason that regarding the two yigots of Yom Kippur, their mitzvahs that they be alike in appearance, in height, in value, and in their simultaneous purchase. This very curious requirement teaches us that there is no difference whatsoever between the yigot to Hashem, which is atoning for mitzvahs ben Adam Lamokim, and the yigot sent away atoning for mitzvahs ben Adam Lachavera. In the eyes of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, the two are equal. This is 101.19, Chai FM. The program is Soul to Soul. And we're coming back right away with our Halacha segment. This is Hilchos Shabbos with Rabbi Moshe Schnurb, only on 101.9 Chai FM. 101.9 Chai FM Soul to Soul back on your radio Erev Shabbos Kodesh Pashach Remus First Shabbos after Pesach and I really really do hope that your Pesach was absolutely amazing that it wasn't too stressful that you didn't spend too much time in, in the kitchen just entertaining that you actually had a little bit of time to relax maybe read something maybe sort of do something you enjoyed doing over, over the Chag, because that's what the Chag is about. It's, it's about Simcha, it's about having joy and enjoyment, not just being in the kitchen and turning out meals and doing whatever it is that, that you do so well and so amazing. But Baruch Shem, the Chag is over, we take it with us, and as we start climbing the ladder towards Chag, Chag <clears throat> As we always do at this point on the show, just to give you the very important details you need to know for this coming Shabbos. So this Shabbos this afternoon, the earliest time for benching lich, for lighting the Shabbos candles, is going to be at 4.30. 4.30, you can already light the Shabbos candles. That's what, that's barely uh, an hour and a half away and and, and uh, so you know, get get going get moving get showered get the food on the stove do those last minute preparations so we can start Shabbos as timelessly as as possible it's never too early to start Shabbos as long as you wait till half past four to light your your candles then you can ready Daman Kabbal Shabbos and get stuck into it have a nice warm Friday night together it's a little bit chilly outside but uh, it's great to have 
the beautiful warmth of a Shabbos spirit, of a Shabbos table, of a family sitting together. The latest time for Ben Shenlich this afternoon is at 21 minutes past 5, 5.21 is the latest time to light your Shabbos candles. That's when Shabbos starts. Shkia will be at 5.39. That's absolute injury time for a really, really desperate situation if you need to do stuff not to be taken as part of one's preparation time. We have to have in our mind that Shabbos begins at 21 minutes past 5 and not an iota later than, than that. It's only in serious, serious situations that we use the time off that Shkia is at 5.39, means if you want to, Davin Mayrev, uh, after it's proper night, and not have to repeat the the uh, the Krishma, or you have to wait until a couple of minutes before 6, and it's already complete night, and you can Davin, and then, of course, say Shmash, one Esrei, and then the the Omer, right, the, the Omer for, for, uh, for tonight, which last night was 12, uh, uh, so therefore, uh, you'll be able to fulfill the, the mitzvahs and then sit down and enjoy a beautiful, beautiful Friday night together. Tomorrow uh, is Pashas Achremos. Obviously, that's for us in outside of Eretz Yisrael. In Eretz Yisrael, well, since last Shabbos was for us the last day of Pesach and for them a regular Shabbos. So they already read Pashas Achremos last week and therefore they'll be reading this week Pashas uh, so if you look at your favorite, I don't know, Pasha sheets, and, and you're seeing the Vitoira for Pasha's Kedoshim, they're not making a mistake. They're just uh, sort of targeting there is really there is really market. You can still read it, uh, put it aside for next for next uh, ne- next week. But our Pasha is Pasha's uh, and we're going to stay behind. We're going to stay behind Eretz Yisrael for a good couple of months, it's not sort of till the very, very end of July, Pashas Matas Masse, that we actually catch up. That's because this year being a leap year, we have a maximum, maximum number of, of Shabbosas in, in, the, in the year. And therefore, all the Pashas that sometimes are, are joined together as, as doubles and where we could easily make up by just Eretz Yisrael, doing a Pasha, we do as a double, let them do it as two singles, it doesn't happen. Everything is already single, and therefore we don't make it up until until Matas Masi. But our Pasha is Pasha Achremas. It's not a very long Pasha, but a lot of important stuff, all about the Avoid of, of Yom Kippur, as we discussed uh, before, and then about a lot about the forbidden uh, marriages with some things in, in between. Tomorrow also is Erev Reish Chodesh, the day before Rosh Chodesh, Rosh Chodesh uh, uh, is on Sunday and Monday, so it is Shabbos Mavarchim. But not only Shabbos Mavarchim, it's actually the day before Rosh Chodesh. Therefore, we say a special Haftarah, the Haftarah that we normally say when Shabbos is the day before Rosh Chodesh, which is a, a peric in, in the Navi in, uh, in Shmuel Aleph, Ayom Eloyonason Machar Chodesh. Right uh, and and describes a whole incident between uh, Yonas and, and 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 David. Maybe one time we need to devote uh, an entire show to talking about because the 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 connection between the Avtera and Erev Shkodesh is not simply because the Avtera begins by Yonas and Mochar Chodesh. That's on a superficial level, but there is a lot a lot more to the to the. Uh, to the connection. So we'll lay in the, we'll the Pasha, we'll say the special Haftarah. We will say Avorachamim because during, during, uh, uh, during the Sphira, we always say Avorachamim after Birch Sakharish. And uh, Shabbos progresses. Also, unique to Shabbos is we once again commence the recitation of Pirkei Avos. So this week will be Perik Aleph, the first, the first parak, and we go with it from now until until the Shabbos before before Rosh Hashanah. So uh, also a good time to sit down and Shabbos, learn a little bit of what you're saying, what what Pirkei is about. Every single mission is a powerful, powerful character building lesson, and certainly worth worth imbibing and worth absorbing into into our 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 ourselves. So. Shabbos Kodesh ends tomorrow night at 6.11. 
11 minutes past 6, which then, of course, ushers in uh, Rosh, Rosh Chodesh. Rosh Chodesh, as I said, is two days, Sunday and, and, and Monday. And then, of course, begins the, the Sphero period, the national time of mourning, where there's no, no weddings and, and no, no haircuts and, and shaving. And for many, uh, cutting, cutting down the level of our entertainment certainly quite quite uh, quite drastically is is the process during during the this video we began in our last show actually it was uh uh three weeks ago whenever whenever it might have been we were began discussing the concept of the meals the special meals of of uh, of, of shabbos and we know there are actually two mitzvahs that are attached to the meals of of shabbos one is the mitzvah we describe as, as being oneg Shabbos, the pleasure, the enjoyment, based on a pasuk in Yeshaya, which says the korosola Shabbos oneg, you shall call Shabbos a a delight. And the the main f- uh, uh, fundamental um, uh, fulfillment of that mitzvah is by having special meals on Shabbos. However. Even what we have during the meals, the, the snacks we have on, on, on Shabbos, and also the little bit of perhaps of extra sleep that we get on Shabbos, with that we also fulfill this mitzvah of the oinig Shabbos, of the joy of, uh, of Shabbos. The second mitzvah is as a special mitzvah of having three meals on, on Shabbos. Chachamim learned that from certain illusions in the, in the Pesukim, that it's a mitzvah to fulfill on Shabbos three, three meals. More in, in, in Shabbos, on Kofilches. The first meal we fulfill on Friday night. The second one on Shabbos in, in the morning, preferably before midday, before Chatzais. And the third meal should be at least half an hour after uh, 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 until until sunset. Now, if someone eats the third meal before, earlier than a half an hour after midday, he has not fulfilled his, his obligation, says the Shulchan Aruch. If someone didn't manage to have a meal at all uh, uh, at night, on, fr- on Friday night, so then he'll have three meals on Shabbos night, still reach the total of, of three of three uh, of three meals. Um, someone didn't manage to eat the second meal before midday, which of course is very very relevant. Something sometimes in uh, where the shuls we go to, we don't get to sit down to lunch till one one o'clock sometimes. So then you should still eat two meals after after chatzos because there are some hold that. It's, it's not so important to actually stick to the time schedule. The main thing is to have three meals over the course of, of, uh, of Shabbos and certainly in a B'dievet situation where you can't manage to have the second meal in the morning, one can certainly rely on, the, on, that, on that, uh, that, that opinion. We're going to come back in a moment and add a few more comments. This is 11.9. Chai FM, the program is Soul to Soul. And this is the greatest Jewish radio station in all of Africa. This is Hilchos Shabbos with Rabbi Moshe Schnurb, only on 101.9 Chai FM. 101.9 Chai FM, Soul to Soul, back on your radio air of Shabbos, Kodesh, Pashtach, Ramos, the last few minutes. We're talking about the Shabbos meals, and of course, the main mitzvah of the meal of, of Shabbos is to have bread, which is the, considered the most important of, of foods. And it's certainly a mitzvah to prepare for the meal, good food that a person enjoys having. In the time of Chazal, the Gemara says, people got pleasure out of eating, I don't know, a kind of spinach or big fish or, or, or heads of, 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 of garlic. And therefore, it would be a mitzvah to prepare those foods for, for Shabbos. Nowadays, since most people enjoy meat and wine and, and, and goodies, right? Uh, either, either nice, nice, nice fruits or, or sweets, whatever. So then the Paiskim write that those are the things 
one should have plentiful supply of on, on Shabbos. And if someone doesn't enjoy meat and wine, so then he should prepare for the Suda Shabbos the food that he enjoys. Furthermore, the Achrayim bring down through, through Kabbalah that it's a mitzvah to eat at all three meals on Shabbos to have fish. This seems to have been a, a forgotten a law in some places. is a mitzvah, I'll say it again, it's a mitzvah on Shabbos to have fish at all three meals. And there are various allusions said about it because we know the fish always represents bracha, and they, they also represent the other deep, deep issues because the water covers them and we know there's no ayin hara on, uh, on, uh, on fish. However, if someone does not like fish, doesn't enjoy fish, then of course he doesn't have to, doesn't have to eat them, right? But even though it's a, it is a, a very, very good thing for a person to uh, not have uh, 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 so much ever, to eat on Shabbos, it's a mitzvah to have more than than usual, right? and uh, it, it's not being gluttonous because since the mitzvah, uh, uh, and since the eating is is fulfillment of of a mitzvah, so one is allowed to have uh, uh, a little more. Obviously, one should not stuff himself. One should not eat to the point where he's absolutely disgusting, because. Uh, when a person eats too much, then that causes exhaustion, and, and then it makes a person sad, and they're sick. And those who eat, overeat, and mamish, they fill their stomach, and, and they become tired, and, and they fall asleep, and they're not able to do what is really the most important thing on Shabbos, which we said is the learning of, of Torah. So then, they haven't actually fulfilled the mitzvah, and they're not giving pleasure to the Shabbos, all they're doing is giving pleasure to their own, to their own, uh, to their own stomachs. Person's not allowed to fast on Shabbos intentionally for the purpose of fasting, even for one hour. It can be that he doesn't eat until after shul, till 10 o'clock in the morning, but he's not doing it intending to fast. He's, he's doing it because he doesn't eat before davening. But if you, if you don't eat because your intention is to fast, that's forbidden. And uh, it's, even someone who didn't intend as a fast, if uh, uh, he somehow came out that he didn't eat until chatzais, until until midday, that's not such a a, a a good thing. So first of all, you lose out on what we said that a person should really have the second meal in the in in the first half of the day. But he's also he's violating the prohibition of fasting on Shabbos. Someone who's sick and doesn't have any kind of appetite, so obviously he doesn't have to have a lot to eat on on Shabbos. Because for him, since the whole purpose of eating is for pleasure, if someone does get doesn't get any pleasure, he doesn't have to eat uh, uh, a lot. But he should make an effort to eat something more than than uh, than uh, than a beitzah, at least a bread worth of. Of uh, of bread. If 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 he even can't do that, then he should eat at least a a, a kazais. And if he can't even manage that, then he should not eat at all. That's all the time we're going to have this week. Just enough time to wish all of you a beautiful, beautiful Shabbos, and after that, a wonderful good chodesh that's coming in straight afterwards. And Bez Hashem, we look forward to spending time together next week at the same time on the same channel. This is 11.9 FM, and I'm just wishing all of our radio family a beautiful Geschmack and warm Shabbos.